With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome everyone to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I am your host, Brian Tarvin. And shortly I'll be joined with co-host Wervo, one of the best co-hosts out there. Trey will not be with us today. It's Memorial Day, but we decided to have a a small show today to talk about what's going on in the sports world, to talk, of course, about college football going on. And forgive my voice today. It feels like it's coming in and out. So please excuse me. I'll be drinking a lot of water during the show. Like I say, Cuervo will be with us shortly and we have a lot to go over today. Hopefully we'll go an hour at the most. But I hope everyone had a great Memorial Day, and special thanks to to everyone in our armed forces, currently as well as as the people in the past that that gave their lives in order for us to have what we have today here in this country. And, And not only that, but other countries that have lost soldiers that were for our cause, that were allies, uh, I, don't, I think people sometimes forget about that. I know I do. So I want to throw that out there, that there's there's people in other countries that have fought for our freedom as well, that have been on our side, that without them being on our side, we could not be here today. So thanks to all their families, and I know it's tough. Probably this day comes around for a lot of people that have lost people regarding war uh, in the military. It's, it's a tough day for you, but just remember, Without them, we wouldn't be here today. So a lot of people in the world are are very appreciative of, of your family, what they sacrificed, what they gave up, and what they stood for. So a lot has happened in the sports world last night. Uh, OKC, Ibaka back. People didn't think it would matter. I, on the other hand, picked OKC to win this series. Um, Ibaka's not there. They didn't have a shot. He came back last night. They pulled it out. Just a, a great win. The turning point of the series, really. Down 2-0, you have to get a win on your own home court. They do that. Game four is coming up tomorrow. So we're going to see how good this OKC team is. They have to win this game. If they go down 3-1 to one to San Antonio going back, it's over. It's going to be a five-game series. But if they can somehow pull this off, get some kind of rhythm, tie this series, it's still a game in San Antonio, and this could be... A very, very interesting series. So I, I like what OKC is doing when they have Ibaka. It just goes to show how important one person can be. You need more than two on a team to win a championship. We've seen it. We've seen Jordan. Everybody always talks about Jordan and Pippen. Well, they didn't talk about Horace Grant. They didn't talk about John Paxson, Craig Hodges, all the role players, Dennis Rodman, Bill Cartwright. Every team needs role players. You can't just throw two players out there and say, okay, win a championship. And I think that's where a lot of us, including myself at times, have watched the NBA thinking it's a two-man show. Everybody needs more. If you look at Kevin Durant and Westbrook, it's not enough to win a championship, guys. It's just not enough. They needed that third option. They need someone to be able to 
to block shots, to rebound, and they got him back. They won, you know, not easily, but pretty handily, about 10 points, I believe. But uh, it just goes to show in the NBA, you need more than two to do it. And I believe Cuervo's with us right now. Cuervo, how's it going? Happy Memorial Day, and, and thank you for all the service you've done and are doing. Appreciate that, Tarvin. Uh, happy Memorial Day to you as well. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. How are you today? Doing good. Just work. You know, Memorial Day is the time to be off work, but, you know, I have to do some work after hours sometimes <laughs> behind the scenes in yep. order in order to get things done. But I'm glad I have you today because I, I think today's a day about, you know, getting things off your chest, Cuervo. That's what I want to do today. I want you to help. I want you to get things off your chest. I don't know. Do you have anything on your chest today? Oh, um, you know, I mean, like as far as grudges and things like that, not really. I mean, I'm the type <laughs> I, I, I really don't keep much in. <laughs> I used to do that, but, uh, you know, I like to squash problems right on the spot. But, um, I, I don't know, I guess not really. I mean, just, you know, sometimes, you know, because I heard you talking about, the uh, I, I'm assuming you were talking about the Thunder game last night and how, you know, Ibaka, I mean, my take is Ibaka really brought a new energy to the team, and sometimes it just goes to show that role players are just as important as the stars themselves. And, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, not to be a homer, but comparing it to, you know the Bulls teams that I watched growing up when whenever Dennis Rodman was out, and you 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 had that you had you were missing that guy that brought the defense and and the rebounding and things like that, and that's what they were missing with Serge Ibaka. And you know he comes back, and I mean you look at it, it was a totally different Oklahoma City team that we watched last night. Um, and I think the thing that impressed me the most, Tarvin, was they held the Spurs to under a hundred points. I mean that's pretty damn good. You know, it, you know especially especially with, um, you know, the fact that they scored, what, 120 the first game, then they scored 115 in game two, and now all of a sudden you hold them to under under uh, 100 points. Uh, that, I mean, that, that really goes to show you how important a role player can be on your basketball team sometimes. Exactly. And, and you know, nobody talks, and, and I'm guilty too. You know, I'm guilty of talking about, well, it's, there's Durant and Westbrook, you know, it's LeBron and Wade and Bosch, but without those role players, I mean, you're not going to win championships. And, you know, let's look at a football, for example. Last year, everybody was, oh, look at Auburn, Wade, Nick Marshall, Trey Mason, the way they do it. Well, without those uglies up front blocking, I trust me, Nick Marshall wouldn't even be here today. He wouldn't even be a thought in people's mind. People overlook, really, the importance of teams sometimes, and they put all the emphasis around the stars, but they don't realize what makes those stars click, what makes them go, are the are them. I mean, nobody gives them credit, Cuervo, including myself at times. I have to stop myself sometime and realize there's more to a team than just a couple of stars everyone keeps mentioning. Well, look at just look at the draft, Carvin. Trey Mason wasn't the number two pick. It was Greg Robinson, the, the you know, the, the offensive line, the left tackle that, you know, helped create those holes for Trey Mason. So, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you see you see not necessarily the star themselves, but the guy that makes the, you know, 
gives the opportunities to those stars are the ones that, um, you know, are, are the most recognized come draft day because, like I said, I mean, Robinson was the number two pick. It wasn't Mason. You know, Nick Marshall is still in college. He wouldn't – there was no way he would have been the number two pick. So, you know, that that's – I guess that's their way of saying, look, these guys are, are, are viable. They're, they're, they're a huge asset to certain teams. And, and I mean, you see that – Every single year. I mean, look at – and I'll take it to the NFL. You know, who would have thought Percy Harvin would have had the impact he did in the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos? So, I mean, it just goes to show you sometimes, you know, it's the, uh, the unsung heroes, if you want to call it that, that wind up making the biggest difference. So, well, You know, today I want to talk about some football and things – that are on my mind. We talk NFL college, Cuervo, but I don't know if you've heard about this, that Auburn, you know, people, Auburn was thinking about going back and and claiming some old national championships out there. When I say old, I mean 1911 or something like that, and then it was 1983, 93, 2004. You know, first of all, I need to get this off my chest. I mean, being an Auburn man that I am, I do not agree with with going back and and claiming something that you didn't. I mean, you earned it. I mean, just say you you think you're a national champion. You you think that you were that good, but but guess what? AP coaches poll did not award you as a national champion. And that's I don't look at the Golf Digest or Fishing Stream Field and Stream magazine thinks you're a national championship Cuervo, but I want to go on record as saying. The only championships I recognize as an Auburn fan is 57. I wasn't alive, but, you know, undefeated, just was killing people. In 2010, the year Cam Newton won the championship, I was I was there watching the 83 team, Cuervo. You know, they, they beat Michigan, Miami beat Nebraska. They, Miami claimed it. In 93, Auburn was on probation, didn't play in the SEC championship, didn't play in the national championship. And in 2004, there is an argument there, undefeated SEC champion, won the Sugar Bowl. But at the end of the day, Cuervo, Auburn was not awarded a championship there. So I want your feelings first. What do you think about teams going back in the past and claiming uh, national championships that weren't awarded to them? Okay, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get on. Uh, I'll answer your question, Tarvin, and then I'm going to just jump off for a few minutes. going to finish uh, with the wife and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, that's just that's – just, guys being homers that's all that really is i mean you can't you can claim it all you want you can make up a 2004 national champion auburn banner and get it custom made and oh it looks great and things like that but <laughs> i mean how embarrassing is it when you have people come visit your house and like what's this you know they didn't win the championship so yeah. to me i just think <laughs> it's 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 such a for the for the Auburn fans out there, not including yourself, that actually think in their minds that they won that because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see Tommy Tuberville hold up a crystal football above his head that year, so um, I'm pretty sure they did not win the championship. So, I don't, hey, if if it makes Homer guys feel better about you know who who they root for in the national title or, or you know or as far as college football is concerned, then you know, hey, then <laughs> more power to you, buddy. But uh, oh. we all know the truth, and the truth is 
you know, Auburn didn't win in 04, and USC didn't win in 0, in 0 uh, when was it? I think uh, 2007 or whatever year it was that they were trying to claim and they didn't. And, I mean, there's a lot of different ones that you can talk about, but uh, unless you're holding that football above your head, that crystal one, then it's just all talk. Well, Cuervo, I know you have to step off for a few minutes. Nathan Walters is going to be with us here. Um, just shoot me a message when you're ready to come back on, okay? Yeah, sounds good, Tarvin. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, we're going to welcome to the show Nathan Walters. How are you, Nathan? Hey, Brian. How was, uh, how was your morning over there in Alabama? Oh, I'm in Georgia, but it's hot, and I'm, oh. I'm doing some work. thought I'd take a mental break do a show that we missed last night. I don't know if you caught this conversation that we were talking about, but I'll go ahead and tell you Auburn has been in discussions about claiming certain championships in the past that, that they feel that that they won. But, you know, I'm one of the biggest Auburn fans. You probably know, Nathan. I do have a little homer in me sometimes, but I am totally against going back and claiming any championship that, that they're trying to claim. And I just wanted your thoughts on that. Oh, well, I, I think that Auburn have to look at themselves in the mirror and go, hey, how much do we really want to continue to try and be like Alabama? You know, do yep. we? Is this where we really want to, you know, kind of put our foot in the ground and say, yeah, since Alabama claims 3,000 national championships they didn't actually win, nor do they even play in that game, should we claim this? I, I think that that is a, just a just – a, I, I know it's a PR move and you're trying to tell recruits, yeah, we actually did this and things like that, and I get that. But there, there's no there's no sense in doing it. I mean, you look at the, all the teams in the past that that went undefeated. You can go all the way back to when Michigan and Harvard and Yale won national championships. Because let's face it, that was a long time ago. Unless you were Michigan '97, and <laughs> you know you could say, well, Michigan was undefeated that year, but then so was Stanford. So let's go ahead and give it to both of them. Well, that's that's not the way that it goes. And you know, for this, you know, for me, I I have multiple multiple undefeated seasons for Nebraska football. And I can tell you right now that 70, 71, 94, 95, 97, that's it. That is all. And 1997 was a split national championship. 1970 was they actually share it with uh, Texas and Ohio State. And, of course, if you, if you look back far enough, you say, well, how come Texas and US, or, uh, Ohio State won the national championship? If I look at them, they have one loss. That was, that was when everybody except for the AP voted before the Bulls. So they actually – I actually am kind of against Texas and Ohio State claiming the national championship in 1970 because they didn't win their bowl game. They lost. So, I mean, for me, a lot of times there's only one real national champion unless you have those split decision type years. And I think looking back, it's, you know, yeah, you, I, I agree with you about 2004 Auburn. They really have that. That was a great team. I, I, and I'll, I'll give you that all, all day long. And they really have the, the, the argument saying, you know, really if there was a playoff, they would have had a, a really decent shot of winning the playoff. But I think to go back and claim anything is just I, – I, I wouldn't do it. I think it's a, it's a fruitless fruitless effort. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the bottom line is Auburn did not – even though I, I think that – and you probably see after watching the Southern Cal-Oklahoma game that Auburn should have been the team in there. But then you have to speculate, could Auburn beat Southern Cal? And you look back the year before when Southern Cal came into Jordan-Hare and won that game 23 to nothing – and it kind of that's the reason to me Auburn did not make the national championship is because they saw that game, you know, last year. And then you speculate, 
Could you beat Southern Cal? I don't know. That was a very good Southern Cal team on the field. Now, if you take Reggie Bush out of the situ- out of the picture, then I think Auburn has a great chance to to go in there and beat Southern Cal. But it had been a great game. But you can't claim national championships on on speculation, really. In '93, I, I saw that team play, and you know they weren't even on TV that year, Nathan. And you know they won some comeback miracle games and everything. But I do not think that Auburn could have beaten Florida State in 1993 with Charlie Ward. I don't. I mean, I, I watched that Florida State team. And they were uh, they were above Auburn in '83. I could see an argument that you were number three. You beat Michigan, and number one and two lost, and you got left out. But again, you did not get awarded that championship. So Auburn has not done this yet, Nathan. Just to let you know, they haven't claimed it. And I know a lot of the the Bama fans are out there going in an uproar. But is that the pot calling the kettle black? Because they'll claim anything they can get their hands on, and they're talking about Auburn claiming championships, Nathan. They've claimed some where they've actually lost to the team in the bowl game and still claimed the championship up. And, and you can see that, of course. I would say, I would go back to 1993. 1993 was a really, 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 you know, kind of an odd year because I really thought West Virginia should have played Nebraska for the national championship. I know they went and lost to Florida in their bowl game, but West Virginia was undefeated, and a one-loss Florida State team got in above them. So, I, you know, I have a lot uh, – a lot of contention with 1993. Of course, Nebraska lost 18 to 16 because they missed a field goal as time expired against Florida State in 1993. But I didn't think that Florida State should have even been in the bowl game against Nebraska. I thought that uh, West Virginia should have uh, should have been playing for the national championship. That was my opinion in '93. And of course, in '83, you know, a lot a lot happened in that Orange Bowl. Nebraska, of course, uh, you know, lost, and we all actually, if you were coming up in November. They're actually going to be uh, kind of showcasing Tom Osborne and uh, that Nebraska football team on the uh, you know they do like the thirty for thirty and stuff like that, and they're going to be showing that when they went for two, when kicking uh, the, the PAT would have given them the national championship with the tie that year. I would have I would have liked to have seen uh, you know Auburn and Nebraska play that year as well. I don't know how well Auburn would have done against Nebraska and Mike Rogier and all that. I, I don't know that that he would have been injured. Because, of course, you know, that, that was a big thing. Rozier got injured against Miami, and Nebraska had to put in a lot of second-string guys. But uh, I would have I liked to see that game as well because there's another one where Miami had a loss and Auburn didn't get in. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of contention there as well. You know, you, you look at teams getting left out, and, uh, again, you got to harken back there again. West Virginia, 93, Penn State, 94. You know, and then, of course, you know, 10 years later into 2004, you know, and, and and there's a lot of lot of lot of talk about you know what what, what about Utah, you know, a few years back do they do they deserve that that opportunity about Boise State and TCU do they deserve national champions for that and I, that's it's just it's just stupid if you ask me. Yeah, you either get you get awarded the national championship or you don't. I mean, you claim it if if I, and I don't, you know, Field and Stream magazine claims you a championship, Golf Digest that doesn't mean you're a champion. This comes from the sports writers, AP poll. If one of those two claim you're a national championship, then you do. USC one year, they got a split championship because in the AP poll, they were number one. I, can, I can't argue with that. If they want to claim that, guess what? They can. They didn't win the BCS. I think it was LSU that year uh, that beat Oklahoma, but Southern Cal was a very good football team, and I, I could argue that Southern Cal was the best team in the country. So I see those splits. I agree when they happen. But you, you have a good team. What was that, the 96 Nebraska team that was probably the best team ever assembled? Was it 95 or 96 that beat Florida 62 to 24? That was 1995, Tommy Frazier and Lawrence yeah. Phillips and all those guys. 
Yeah, that was the best team I've ever seen in college football, honestly. The way they – God, I've never seen a team roll like that. You're talking about the the running at, rushing attack right there. Florida didn't know what to expect um, with that. But just congratulations to you on that. And I want to stay in college football, Nathan. And, uh, you know, I, I went and bought the Sporting News magazine. I do like to read these preseason predictions. And, and I know you said in the past that you're a big fan of Oklahoma this year. Sporting News has Oklahoma ranked number one. And convince me that Oklahoma deserves to be the number one team in the country. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think that there's there's a lot of that comes with winning that bowl game over uh, over the Alabama team. And I, I never, ever um, – I, I never stooped to say, well, a team didn't play because they didn't think they, didn't think they should be there. They thought it was somewhere better. That's totally fine. You still don't do what Alabama did. You know, you don't you don't lose like that. And uh, I think with what Oklahoma has coming back, especially on offense, on the interior defensive line, and especially I think this year the Big 12 is going to be easy for them to get through. I know people don't think that. I'm not sold on Baylor again. I've been wrong about them before. Um but I'm definitely not sold to Oklahoma State for one big reason. Oklahoma State is losing a day of practice every single week this year. And that's a yep. huge thing because their APR, their APR numbers are super low. And uh, that's a huge thing, especially when you look at back-to-back games they have there in the middle of the season. I think that's, gonna, that's going to hurt them as well. Uh, I look at what else is happening in, in the Big 12. and that, the Oklahoma is realistically on, on a on, – of any of the – outside of maybe Florida State and the ACC – the only team that I look at that stands head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in their conference, I see Oklahoma right there. And that's a huge thing. And people still look at the Big 12 as a huge power conference, you know. And if Oklahoma is able to breeze through that, which I think they probably should be able to, and there is no conference championship game, you look at what they have, especially on offense, I think that they really, really needed to, and were, were, I'm happy they were able to settle on one quarterback for the most part now. I really like what they have there. Not a huge fan of, of the Belldozer myself, so I'm really happy with what they're doing now at quarterback. And on, on defense, if they, if they can continue to play really well on defense, which, you know, with Bob Stoops and everything and his family there, they, it's going to look really good for them. And they have a really favorable schedule. Nothing is super difficult in their schedule. Uh, I, I, I know they, they, that the annual game with Texas is a huge thing. And they did get blown out last year by a pretty subpar Texas squad, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of I was kind of surprised by that. I thought they would win by a couple of touchdowns, and usually I'm usually I'm on point with that type of a game. But um, you know, I, I think that Oklahoma, every single piece that they have, they they have a couple couple of missing pieces, sure. But there there is no team that you can look at it and say they are any more complete and have a better schedule in front of them than the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, Nathan, I can't get the Baylor game last year out of my mind, and I can't get the Texas. Those are two to me embarrassing losses you lose by by 16 to a texas team that that couldn't beat Ole miss and then you get beat 41 to 12 by baylor why why should i believe that this defense can can actually beat baylor i know they have them in norman this year but a team that loses about that much usually i just have a, a tough time with them believing in their defense but they do have mike stoops this is eighth year as defensive coordinator I mean, how's he going to turn it around? Did they get the recruits in order to be able to, to fill in some holes that they had on that defensive side of the football? Well, you know, Oklahoma did really, really a, a fabulous job in the recruiting trail this past year. They really took advantage. Uh, Bob Seuss went down into Texas and took advantage of what was what was going on um, with the situation at the University of Texas, was able to recruit against Texas with their instability with Mac Brown and everything. They did a really good job of recruiting. 
Um, I really like what they're bringing in the tight end as well and everything. But I think that more than anything else, what the type of offense that Baylor runs and the type of defense that they play, or I should say don't play, is really going to play into, uh, into Oklahoma's hands this year. Um, I, I do really like what they have as far as Baylor at their quarterback situation and the type of offense that they run. I really do like that. But I think the only thing that, that teams have to do to and, – and, and Bob Stoops is a smart guy. His brother, Mike, you know, they, they sit down and they can talk about this. It's super easy to slow down a type of offense like that. You look at what, how teams slow down um, Oregon. You look at how teams slow down teams like that to play that type of an offense. It's not completely different than what, uh, what Texas Tech used to do underneath Mike Leach. And it is not incredibly difficult to break that down and stop that type of an offense. Obviously, Oklahoma – they were on their heels from the very beginning last year and uh, down there in Waco, and it was – I've never actually considered Waco to and Baylor to have, like, a home field advantage in Waco, but it was pretty loud last year. And, um, and you know, they were on their heels from the very beginning last year. But I think if they watch a team like what Michigan State can do, you know, or a team like what Stanford can do with a solid type of offense or defense, and really don't let them spread you out too much and, you know, just play sound – you know, they call it gap defense. You know, change up the the defensive line just a little bit. Maybe put a spinner out there, and uh, you know, get get some 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 pressure on the inside there, and don't let them kill you with screens and little bubbles and stuff like that. And I think they have they have they have the athletes and the the team to be able to beat Baylor this year, especially at home. Um, again, they they may not, but I think that they will. Well, do you think a one loss Oklahoma team is good enough to get into the playoffs, the Final Four, in people's minds, or is Oklahoma going to have to run the table? Oklahoma being in the Big 12, and, I, and in my prediction, you're going to see the Big 12 is going to be a little bit down this year. Um, without having a conference championship came to bolster that, that is one thing that really hurt the Big 12 here in these past few years as well. Uh, Oklahoma, in order to get into the playoff, would need to be undefeated. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and looking at, you know, the, this is the top five of the sporting news. Oklahoma 1, Oregon 2, Florida State 3, Bama 4, Auburn five. Let's let's go to Alabama at number four. A team without a quarterback, really a proven quarterback. Never started a game. Uh, they lost some offensive line. They lost a lot of defense. Lane Kiffin's coming in as offensive coordinator. Why does Alabama keep getting love ahead of some teams that have proven that they deserve to be there this year? Looking at what's coming back and how they ended the season. Well, if you, if you look at because I wrote, I wrote an article on this just a couple of years ago, and it was the, the, the top five most overrated preseason teams of the past four years. Now, I was a couple of years ago, so obviously it's a bit outdated. But I looked at it, and those teams were – they were in order, I think, that five might have been Florida, four uh, – I, I forget entirely. My top three were uh, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Florida State. Those were my top three that were, that were the, the – the, completely and of course Notre Dame and Florida State went on to go in the next two years when they at least play in the national championship game so I think they must have read my article and you know got a little something from that but uh they get that based on the fact that they are Alabama you know just like Oklahoma sometimes gets it based on the fact that they are Oklahoma you know if you look at some of those I don't on that sporting news is Texas in in their top 25 as well I'm looking at the top 10 I haven't looked at the entire top 25 yet but I'll look at that while you're talking right quick Okay, and if, if it is, that's based on name recognition alone. There's absolutely zero reason that um, Texas should be in the top 25. There's absolutely zero reason they are. Florida should be in the top 25. They are. Oh, they're, they're at 23rd, Nathan. 
See, that, that, is, that, is, that is name recognition alone. That is the only reason. Okay, they have zero, zero things in place. As far as Alabama goes, it's partially based on name recognition and then partially based on the fact they play in the SEC and then, of course, partially based on the fact that, yes, they do have a lot of big-time recruits. Do they have a major question mark at quarterback? Yes, they have no quarterbacks that have even like, seen any kind of substantial playing time. You know, and, and, again, they don't have a tough you know, August into the September schedule that maybe give an opportunity there to, to really you know, get him more relaxed into the system and everything. But that's a quarterback who couldn't, you know, they really couldn't even compete with Jameis Winston at Florida State, which, let's be real, that's probably kind of difficult to do, but couldn't even compete and so decided to transfer. And, of course, going to a school like Alabama is not a bad thing, but is he going to be a game manager like the previous two quarterbacks at Alabama, or is he going to be somebody who's going to try and make plays because that doesn't fit into Nick Saban's type of offense and the way he likes to do things? I, I do have Alabama in my top five. Uh, I know last week we spoke about that. They're in my top five. I think they actually rounded out at number five, uh, but it is it is based on what I what I think they can do every single year. They still are Alabama, you know. There are very few times where they lose like they did to Oklahoma, and yes, I think that might have been an aberration. But there are very few very few times that happens. They still have you know quite a few pieces together on defense. Not a lot of big names that you would consider. Uh, obviously, you know I, I think that the, their biggest loss on defense was Haha Clinton Dix. I think that that is just a a huge loss there for them. But I, I think that Alabama still has enough there in being Alabama, in playing in Tuscaloosa, you know, against uh, against Auburn this year to finish up the season. I think that they have a really good shot of winning what I think is going to be a little bit of a down SEC West this year. And the Oregon Ducks is a team that seems like to me every preseason they're ranked up there. They're at number two in the projections. What has Oregon done different, Nathan, to, to be able to beat a Stanford, maybe a Southern Cal team that plays more physical football? Looking at their schedule, you don't see physical, but you see a road trip to UCLA. You see a home game against Michigan State out of conference. You see Stanford at home and then Oregon State on the road. But looking at this schedule, what do you what do you see could be a roadblock for them? I don't think they're they're worthy of being a number two team, honestly until they prove they can beat a Stanford type of, of team. But until then, I mean, what, what do you see on this schedule that would concern you if you're a Duck fan? Well, I think that you look at it and you have to say, wow, Michigan State. You know, pretty much right out of the gates, Michigan State. I know it's at home. Um, I know it's up there in Eugene. And I know that, uh, you know, it's out there on the West Coast, which the Big Ten, those type of early season games, has not performed well in, in, in previous years. But you have to look at it and say, if we have an Achilles heel as Oregon, it is getting out of rhythm and playing against a, a sound defense. And, you know, you know as well as I do that when you look at sound defenses, you look at what Narduzzi does up there at Michigan State and the way they've done it the past three, four, and five years, and there, is, there has not been a better overall defense the past four and five years than what you get in East Lansing. And I've seen it, you know, up close and personal more than once. And I, I, that, is, that is the roadblock. They're... they're there is no other roadblock for Oregon. That, that is it, because if they don't get past Michigan State, then, then they pretty much there, – there will be no ability for them to look at the rest of their schedule and say, how do we beat Stanford? There will be no ability for them to look, look at the rest of their schedule and say, if Mariota gets injured again, is the same debacle at Arizona going to happen? I think they lost like 42 to 14 or something to Arizona. No, is that going to happen? But they have to beat Michigan State. If they don't beat Michigan State – 
their season may as well be over with just because then you look at it and say, well, that, that means they absolutely can beat Stanford. I know it's an early season thing, and I know that it's, that it's, it's tough to say your season's over with in September, but if they don't beat Michigan State, you know, that, that's a, it's almost a killer out there in the Pac-12. Yeah, and then, you know, the the people that vote on this, they're going to look at Oregon, and, and all of a sudden they're going to play a physical team in a Big Ten conference that, that hasn't achieved as much as they, they would like to have achieved. But all of a sudden all the naysayers are going to come out and say, oh, there's Oregon again. They play a physical team. They lose, especially being in Eugene. And I don't think it matters what they do against Stanford later in the season. It doesn't matter anymore. They're shot. You're right. They lose this game. It's over with. A one-loss Oregon team will not make it into the Final Four if they lose to Michigan State. Now, if they come up and stumble um, against UCLA on the road on October 11th and they win out, that's a different story. But that Michigan State game is huge. And the fact that it's in Eugene, I just don't see Michigan State being able to go up there and win. And, And Michigan State, Nathan, they usually don't play great football early in the season, do they? No, no, and that's that's incredibly accurate. They usually don't. I mean, look, even at uh, in it last year and everything with Notre Dame, and obviously Notre Dame was not a very good football team last year. And you look at, at the way that, that Michigan particularly plays down to their opponents. Uh, I, I've seen it multiple times where they just don't have the best, uh, you know, the best early season matchups and things like that. And and partially that is going to be especially this year because of what they are going to be lacking on defense. Um, I personally don't think that Michigan State's going to beat Oregon on the road. I don't think Michigan State is going to win the SEC. Or the SEC. Sorry about that, SEC. <laughs> yeah, the Big Ten this year. Um, I, I think that they, they could compete in the SEC just based on defense alone, but um, I don't think that they're going to win the, the, the Big Ten East this year. I think that, uh, that Michigan State this, has, has a lot uh, missing, and that's going to cause issues up there in Eugene. I think that Oregon's going to win. I think that Oregon's going to tout that win as well because, again, the Michigan State Spartans are the – defending Big Ten champions. They did win the Rose Bowl last year. And I think that if Oregon's able to win that, which I think they will, probably by 10, maybe even 14 points, um, they're gonna, you're going to use that the rest of the season to say, look, we beat Michigan State. And then they better hope that Michigan State's able to get it together and play good defense the rest of the year because the Spartans have a tough schedule as well. Yeah, State in the Big Ten, your Cornhuskers preseason 17 in the magazine. I know we have the depart of your quarterback, but Tommy Armstrong – you know, a quarterback, high expectations. Amir Abdullah, one of the best running backs in the country, comes back as a senior. Looking at this schedule for Nebraska, I mean, it looks pretty tough, honestly. At Michigan State, at Fresno, at Northwestern, at Wisconsin, at Iowa, there's some tough road games uh, for your Cornhuskers. Let us know about what you think about this schedule. Uh, you know, the schedule starts off, actually, you look at it, you actually missed a home game there in September. Uh, they got, they're welcoming the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, to Lincoln, of course, uh, Nebraska and Miami haven't played since 2001 in the national championship game. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's tough, and it starts tough early. Um, you know, going out to Fresno, actually going to Fresno. I know David Carr's not Fresno, anything like that anymore, but Fresno is not going to be an easy team to beat on the road. Uh, you know, then turn right back around and play Miami. Nebraska doesn't have the schedule that they did last year. I would rather have this year's team with last year's schedule than vice versa, let's just say that. Uh, but Nebraska does have a couple of pieces. You, you mentioned Amir Abdullah. You mentioned Tommy Armstrong. Um, you know, they did lose an all-Big Ten receiver in Quincy and Nunwa and getting drafted there as well. Uh, but one per, one, a couple of things that, that people, you know, are going to start seeing this year is the potential 
you know, a big high first-round draft pick and defensive end Randy Gregory. Now, he came out of JUCO last year, led the Big Ten in sacks. I think he led, actually, I think he led the nation in, in, in sacks by a defensive lineman last year. And just an absolute force of nature to be, to be reckoned with there. And I think that he's going to have, like, an Indomitian Sioux type of effect on offensive lines there. And that's really going to help out a Nebraska team that really started to come on defensively as, at the, at, as the season you know, progressed there. They had a lot, a lot to replace last year. But if Nebraska can, can really play defense and then kind of let Armstrong really get into it some more, um, you could be looking at potential for a top, yeah, top 15, top 10 squad there heading into October into that really, 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 really tough stretch there, uh, you know, toward the end of the season for Nebraska. It's definitely not, it's definitely not front-loaded for the Huskers. They really are going to have to build up and then hope that injuries don't happen like they have in the past. Two years ago, it was, uh, you know, Rex Burkhead going down the first game of the season. This past year, you know, Taylor Martinez was down, you know, pretty much for the entire season. This year, Nebraska has to avoid injuries, especially for their offensive and defensive playmakers, because if they don't, you could see, again, a three- or four-loss team in Lincoln. And as you saw last year, three- and four-loss teams in Lincoln without even going to the Big Ten championship game, that's, that just doesn't settle in Lincoln. I know that it, it may work other places, um, but Nebraska <laughs> fans, right or wrong about this, do not want to see Nebraska in third place in the Big Ten West. They do not. They they say second place, maybe to Wisconsin because we lost on because we missed a kick or they made one as a final, you know, at the at the final second. But not third place, not behind Iowa. There's no reason that Nebraska should be in, in third place in the Big Ten West. And, and you know, I, I think that that I don't think they will be. I think they'll be a, a, a pretty darn good team this year. Obviously, 17. I think that that's pretty close. I'm between 17 and 22. Um, you know, where, where I look at my rankings, but I think that with with their schedule, if they're able to get through their early season schedule, which recently they have not been able to, um, you know, close losses to uh, USC two years ago, and then, of course, losing to USC last year. If they're able to get through Florida Atlantic, McNeese State, Miami, uh, Fresno State, Miami this year, and head into the Big Ten after that with an unblemished record, I think then Nebraska will have the confidence to move through the Big Ten. And it, I agree, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's definitely, but it gets definitely gets tougher as you look down there into October and November. Well, Cuervo is back with us. Welcome back, Cuervo. And I'll start. You know, Ohio State is a team, Cuervo, that is number nine in this preseason poll. I think that's low. I think they they should be higher based on Braxton Miller coming back and and losing that Big Ten championship game last year to Michigan State. I think Ohio State has something to prove. I think they they finally realized what it was like to play with a lot of pressure. The year before, they went undefeated. They were on probation, so it, it made it easier. But looking at this schedule, I mean, I'm looking at Ohio State's schedule at Penn State, at Michigan State, their toughest games. And, I mean, Cuervo, am I crazy to say Ohio State will probably go undefeated and win the Big Ten, possibly? I don't. I think Nebraska could beat Ohio State if they can get there. But if Ohio State wins out, Cuervo, they're going to be in that final four. Do they deserve it? Well, Tarvin, I mean, I don't want to consider myself an Ohio State fan, but if you remember last year at the beginning of the year, I picked Ohio State to play Alabama for the national title. Now, it didn't quite work out that way. Um, However, I just – I'm a believer in, you know – do we all agree the way Urban Meyer does things? No, but he wins. And that's that's what it all comes down to. And, no, I don't think it would be crazy because 
when you think about it, they're going to start out as a top five team, so it's not like they really have to climb their way up that much. And we see it every year, Tarvin. Somebody's going to go down in that top five eventually. Either someone, they're going to play each other or somebody's going to have an off day, whether it's Florida State, whether it's Oregon, uh, whoever it's going to be, somebody's going to lose, and that will allow Ohio State to get into that top four spot. So, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy at all to say that. And do I think they deserve it? Well, you know how I feel about the word "deserve" when it comes to sports and things like that. I mean, I, I mean, you, you got to go out there and you got to win and you got to earn it. So, um, no, I, I think I think if they if they run the table, I mean, I mean, it, the overall is the Big Ten a, a, a choke of a conference, kind of in my opinion. However, you know. Let's face it, Ohio State's probably, or I would have to say, the best team in that conference. So, no, I think I think they, they have a very, that, you know, they have just as much of an opportunity and, you know, it should be presented to them just as much as SEC teams and, you know, uh, you know Pac-12 and all these other conferences. They should get their fair shot as well. Nathan, I, th- I think this is a very weak schedule. You put Nebraska in this schedule, you're looking at at least 11 and one, probably. So you're looking. I'm not, I know you're probably projecting projecting Ohio State versus Nebraska in the Big Ten championship game, but but looking at Ohio State, is this the team that could get it done? And is it just because they have a great team, or is it the schedule mainly? I, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I do like Braxton Miller. He's obviously the best uh, the best player in the Big Ten. He's the best athlete in the Big Ten. I wouldn't put him as best quarterback. I don't think he projects well in the NFL as far as quarterbacks go. But uh, he's definitely the best playmaker in the Big Ten. He can make things happen no matter what he does. And I think that really bodes well for Ohio State. The Buckeyes, though, don't have a ton around him. Uh, you know, they, they, they lost quite a bit, whether it be to graduation or to the NFL draft. They, they, they don't have a ton around him, not a ton of, leader, of senior leadership on that team. And that, I think that may be a deciding factor for them. They definitely, you, you mentioned it perfectly, you talk about the stress level that they had on them last year after going undefeated last year and then going down all the way through surviving against Purdue there, which <laughs> I don't know if Purdue or Indiana, I forget, but let's, let's be real, that was not a very good team. They survived in overtime somehow. You know, the, the, the Buckeyes made it all the way to, to Michigan State before finally, you know, kind of caving in and breaking down. You can kind of see the mental wall that they had that they finally got to. They just couldn't get through. Um, you can see it on their faces there in the Big Ten Championship game. And not that I was you know, necessarily cheering for Michigan State. Obviously, that was the Big Ten Legends division at that time, and I would have liked them to, to represent the Big Ten. But Ohio State coming back this year, you know, with Urban Myers, the coach there, he's talking, you're talking year three. You're talking what he's done as far as recruiting. It's been absolutely phenomenal because that team, you know, three years ago was just not very good. You know, and – do I think they're going to go undefeated? I, I, don't, I don't think they go undefeated. Um, as Corbin mentioned, there, there's always something that happens throughout the course of the season that you don't see. And Ohio State, every single year, seems to have that one game where <laughs> they play that Purdue or they play that Indiana or they play that team where you say they should win by 60 and then they go to overtime. And then you say, then you kind of question that team and you, quite, you question their mentality, especially if it's in October, November. And you question you know, really, where is that team at mentally, and are they really prepared to go? And people are automatically going to go back to last year's game against uh, against Michigan State, and they're automatically, whether right or wrong, 
automatically can go back to last year's Orange Bowl when they lost that game, you know, pretty handily as well. They're going to to point that out if Ohio State not even stumbles, but wins a very, very, very close game to a very, you know, not very good team. Do I think they win the Big Ten East? I do. Um, Michigan's not very good. Uh, you know, Penn State, obviously, new coaching exchange there. You and I may have differing opinions on James Franklin. Um, you know, I, I think they win the Big Ten East, but I, I don't know how they would fare against, especially, again, going into the Big Ten Championship game uh, against a, a, a running team like uh, Wisconsin or, you know, a, a team that, that runs more of a pro, you know, kind of spread, kind of set like Nebraska. I don't, I don't know how they would fare there just because of what I've seen them do in, in, in big-name games. Well, first of all, about James Franklin, let me clarify. I think he's a snake in the grass. He's a good football coach. He's a recruiter, but I think he's a very unethical kind of way, kind of guy that'll get it done. So just to point that out. But you know, Cuervo, I saw what what Nathan was saying about the mental wall, and and you know they escaped some close games last year, but that Michigan game, the last the rival game, they survived forty two to forty one, and the only reason they they won was because Michigan decided to go for two. And and that's why I was crying out. It wasn't because well, part of it was I was, I was an Auburn fan and I was hoping to win out and, and jump them. But I I do still believe last year that a one loss SEC champion was better than an undefeated Ohio State team. It won't be like that every year. I mean, it could be dominant this year where Ohio State comes in and flexes their muscle and just blows people out. But I think a lot of people had doubt in their mind, Cuervo, about Ohio State and mentally. They lose to Michigan State. That was demoralizing. They turn around and lose to Clemson in the Orange Bowl, which, I mean, how is Ohio State going to rebound? Are they going to come out hungry, or are they going to come in actually defeated and deflated? I mean, that was a terrible ending to their season with everything on the line. And, you know, Urban Meyer could retire, want to spend more time with his family, Cuervo. I don't know. Yeah, and we've heard that story before. But, um, you know, it's – you know, the thing about Ohio State is it's just like Nathan mentioned, I mean, there's there's always a there's always a game that they kinda of trip and fall, whether whether they win or lose. And, and honestly most of the time they, they wind up winning that game just like you were talking about the, the Michigan game, they win by one point, which you know, people probably expected them to win by a touchdown. I don't remember what the line was on that game. But I think it was about thirteen. You know, and and that's yeah, it, it was it was a big number if I remember right. Um, however, it, but that's that's the problem that people have with Ohio State is just whenever you start to feel like okay this team is clicking and and they're playing well, then they turn around and they're in double overtime against <clears throat> Purdue or they're you know struggling against. Uh, I mean, even I mean even Northwestern gave them a great game and. And me as being a, a, a closet Northwestern fan, that's like my distant number two team, I, I knew that there was no way that they were going to beat Ohio State. But, I mean, they, they hung in there for a while. And it's just, okay, Ohio State's far superior talent-wise. They should be blowing this team out. And it just didn't happen. However, you know, somehow the, the, these Buckeyes teams find a way to win these games. And the minute they lose a game, though, then everybody's like, "Get yeah, see, I knew it. I, see what I tell you about Ohio State. They're overrated and blah, 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 blah. And, then, and that's when everybody talks about how bad of a team they are. So I think it's just, you know, for 
non-Buckeye fan, you know, you're just waiting for that one loss so you can talk about how bad of a team they are. And I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, it's just the overall talent on their team. It's it's not what it used to be. I mean, they don't recruit like they used to because, I mean, the, I mean, the Big Ten is not really known anymore for skilled positions. I mean, you, you need offensive linemen or you need a defensive lineman. You go to the Big Ten and you draft guys like, you know, Taylor Lewan from Michigan or, you know, some of those big guys. You know, so that that's that's what you get out of the Big Ten is just, you know, the big uglies up front. Uh, they're really not known for skill position players. Yeah, exactly. And and guys, looking at the Big Ten, Nathan, and you can attest to this. It's you know, people sat around for a while. Nebraska just joined the Big Ten not too long ago, coming from the Big Twelve. But you know, it's like a laid back kind of recruiting mentality in the Big Ten, and they. They would scratch their head and wonder why they're not winning championships. They're not getting the better athletes. You look at recruiting and you see that. But now you have Urban Meyer up at Ohio State. You have James Franklin at Penn State, uh, Bo Pelini out at Nebraska. How much better, or, or let me put it this way, how much more emphasis on recruiting is the Big Ten putting now? I mean, you have to look at recruiting and realize that's the the difference between the SEC and the Big Ten right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't think there's an uh, enormous coaching disparity, uh, to say the least. It definitely has to do with recruiting. I mean, you look the past four seasons at, uh, at, at Nebraska with recruiting, they finished around 24th. You look at their past four seasons where they finished in the rankings, right at 24th. So that definitely correlates. Um, I think that might be an anomaly, but it definitely correlates with where you finish in recruiting is probably where about where you're going to finish in your class unless somebody completely overachieves. I, I do think that the – it's changing the Big Ten mentality. Well, at least some coaches are changing the Big Ten mentality. James Franklin, I'm just coming from the SEC, and Urban Meyer coming from you know roundabout, getting from Bowling Green, going to Utah, and you know whatever. Uh, but I, it's changing, and I, and I actually kind of see that coming, you know, from from you know from my my Cornhuskers when I look at it, and you look at Nebraska right now in the top ten, top eleven, top twelve in recruiting, and it's changing. You look at where they finished up last year. And, and what they did with the recruiting last year where they went to the they, – they, there's a huge thing with getting 200, 300 miles around Lincoln. That's a big thing for, for Nebraska. It's a big thing for the fans, a big thing for the, you know, for the program to get those really close athletes. But you look at where they went last year, they didn't go out west anymore. They went to the south. They went to Miami. They went to Florida. They went to Georgia. They picked up some, some key recruits. They beat Alabama and Auburn for a couple of recruits last year. You know, not, not a ton, but they did. They, they, picked, they picked up some players there that had offers from those schools. And – you know, I think that's what that's what the teams have to realize. That's what they're going to do, and that's going to that's going to pay dividends here. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year. I think. Well, we saw it last year with what Urban Meyer was able to do with you know the subpar talent that he already had, combined with the infusion of some Southern talent. And you can look at that and see that's what's going to work out. And, and you know, even if you look at Michigan State, they have more than a few players on their team that come from the Lone Star State out of Texas, and where that's where they get that's where they're going to get their skill talent from, and things like that. The Big Ten has to start realizing that, and, and some coaches have, and you can tell the ones that have because those are the ones that are winning. They need to and, and follow suit with the realization that the, the way that college football is going anymore is that you can't just rely on the fact that you, you, you're Iowa and so you're going to run the ball and that's going to work, you know, or the fact that, you know, you, you look at Wisconsin, you know, they're going, the, they're going a completely different direction. You're going to see a different, a different Wisconsin team this year than you did last year, I guarantee it. 
and that has to do with the coaching change as well. And they're starting to see that this is the way college ball is going. It took the Big Ten longer than any other conference to start realizing this, but they have to start recruiting those skill position players. You were not incorrect. You, you mentioned that the, uh, one of the best uh, running backs in the country, Amir Abdullah, do you know where he's from? Is he from Florida? He's from Alabama. Oh, I didn't know that. And they, they, yeah, three-star prospect out of Alabama. Nebraska picked him up. And, and you look at that, and, and you have to go down there. You're not going to beat Alabama. You're not going to beat Florida State for those five-star recruits down there right now. But you have to get roads in. You have to be able to go down into Florida, and you have to be able to go down in those places and, and say, hey, you come up here, you're going you're gonna to play. James Franklin's doing that right now. Hey, guys, I'm, I just came from the SEC, and I'm at Penn State where you could automatically play because, yeah, about that whole, you know, NCAA sanction thing. He's playing that card right now, which works for him, and it's working for them in recruiting. But the Big Ten has to, conti- has to really – well, a lot of things are working for him, and, again, I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, but have to continue to go down there into the southeast, into Georgia, and SEC territory and not be afraid to, to say, let's, let's rub a little shoulders here and let's give you a little uh, – a little nudge toward toward the Big Ten, and I, I think that uh, that's what has to happen. Well, let's let's move on to the SEC. We're going to do a couple of teams before we go, and and I want to start with Tennessee because Tennessee Cuervo and Nathan, that's your team, Cuervo, and I want to talk about them. But I'm curious about these guys. They they have a huge recruiting class, uh, second year coach that. That kind of you know his identity is to score points, to move the ball. He's been successful everywhere he's been. Cuervo, Butch Jones, last year a five and seven seven record, had the worst schedule I've ever seen in my life of a of a team trying to rebuild and everything. But here they are. I don't know the expectations. I know some Tennessee fans would be happy at seven wins this year. Some said you know they want to win the East. The more realistic fans are looking at this schedule, saying six and six. But losing an entire defensive line, entire offensive line, they did recruit well, Cuervo. How do you think your Tennessee Vols are gonna are gonna fare this season? I mean, road game at Oklahoma, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, at South Carolina. They play home against Missouri. They play Alabama. They play Florida. I mean, it's just a, a murderer's row when you look at this schedule. Yeah, it is, Tarvin. And you know, it, it, my my expectation personally is as a Tennessee fan. It hasn't changed much from last year. I mean, get that get that sixth win, become bowl eligible, and I don't care what bowl they go to. They can go to the toilet bowl for all I care. As long as they can get their program back on the map and they can show, look, Tennessee football, we're coming back. It's not going to be an overnight change. However, you know, with Coach Jones and, and uh, Coach Lett and everybody else that is part of, that program now, hey, we're gonna we're moving in the right direction, and you know, yeah, you got the unrealistic ball homers that oh, we can win the East, oh, we can we can make it to the SEC championship. You know, those are the same ones that think Tennessee's gonna win the national title every single year. Like, you know, you just have to like ignore their opinion. But um, for me, I mean, I I think. You know, top. I think they didn't. They finish top five. I know they weren't number two. Yeah. I think LSU leapfrogged them uh, with a couple of those running backs that they signed. But I think they finished top five. Which, hey, I'm excited about it. However, it's like I've told you before, Tarvin. You can get the talent. What do you do with it, though? Is is my question. 
you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't utilize it properly and get the most out of those players, then it mean you might as well let them transfer somewhere else to where they can be used to the best of their ability. So for Coach Jones, hey, you know, can you get the most out of these guys that you brought in? There's a reason you recruited the way you did and you brought certain guys in the way you did. I'm excited to see the Barry brothers, honestly. I want to see how they do, how they how they pan out. Um, you know, are they going to be as good as their brother, uh, Eric, who who's in Kansas City, obviously, now. But, um, you know, and there's some other guys as well. But, you know, obviously, you, you know, the big names are what sticks out to you. But, you know, they wind up getting both of the other brothers. So I'd like to see what, you know, how, how they utilize those guys. And honestly, for, for me, Tarvin, hey, six wins, get a bowl game. That's, that's my expectation. Well, I noticed last year watching Tennessee live when Auburn came to town is, you know, you, you look at Tennessee, the schedule and everything, they were in some tight games. But I noticed that they they just didn't have a lot of team speed. And I think Butch Jones realized that, too. And I think he went out and recruited for that. They have the numbers now. They have the they're, – they're working on that depth. It's a lot better than last year. But, Nathan, I mean, how long is it going to take Butch Jones to turn it around? I mean, it's not like he has – you know, breaks in between to figure it out. I mean, the Chattanooga game's the only game I'm looking at on their schedule that makes me just check win right there. I mean, they it's a tough schedule. How much better are they going to be this year with Butch Jones' second year with this schedule? Well, I think that, you know, not all the time, I think that everybody can agree with this, that not all the time it's not necessarily what you look at it as wins and losses, you know, but it's actually – you know, when you look at a schedule like this, you can be a much more improved team, but still, you know, have roughly the same schedule, which is why, you know, Cuervo, he's fine with that sixth win. I think that as a Tennessee fan, you probably should be. That is not an easy schedule. Um, I do think they beat Vanderbilt this year. So, yeah, you know, go Vols. Um, I, you know, but when, when you look at it, and <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's tough. Um, I, do th- I do like what they did in recruiting. I mean, it was probably fairly easy for them to do that, to say, hey, you're, you're faster than, like, everybody on my team, so you should come play. You know, I, I think that that was probably, you know, really important to do, and he can really go on his resume with what he's done at previous programs he's been at. Uh, and, and Tennessee is a really good fan base, you know. I, I've been to more than one game when Nebraska played Tennessee, and Tennessee's got a great fan base, very knowledgeable, very passionate fan base. And that is what's keeping them afloat. You know, they, they could have fallen back pretty much off the map, you know, all uh, you know, like Washington or something like that, where this program has traditionally been really good, or even UCLA been traditionally good, but then you know just fallen off completely. And Tennessee has been able to so to mostly stay afloat. And you know, I, I think that 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 speaks really well of them. I don't think they're going to definitely they're definitely not going to win the SEC East this year. I, I tabbed uh, Georgia to do that, but uh, you know, I, I think in, in the years coming up, especially with their recruiting classes and everything, they they need to find. A, a more consistent running game. They need to find better speed in their secondary. And, of course, you alluded to you know, the Barry brothers and things like that. But Tennessee needs to be able to, you know, kind of start feeding off of what they have done in the past. I'm a, I'm a closet Tennessee fan. You know, I, when, I was, you know, when I was growing up, I don't look good in orange. But I think Rocky Top is a, is a fabulous, uh, fabulous fight song. Um, I, I, I really like what Phil Fulmer did there. I, I was a fan of Nebraska beating Peyton Manning 42-17. to 17, But, uh, you know, I, I think that, that Tennessee is good for football. They're one of the blue bloods. 
You know, they're they're one of those that have that, that were there and and can they have. We, I've seen the grainy videos of Tennessee playing football, and, and I think that they're good for college football. And I think Butch Jones is going to do a great job. It's not going to be this year, six and six, seven and five at best. I, I would say. And of course, I said the same thing last year about Auburn. You remember we had the conversations where I would I would say that seven wins last year was probably like a peak for Auburn, and look what they did. So you know we'll we'll. <laughs> We'll see, but I don't. I don't think anything more than seven wins is is is, is likely. And speaking of of Auburn, when we'll we'll get off after this one. Looking at this team, you know, last year the under the radar, nobody expected it except the people closest to the pro. Nobody, and I'm gonna tell you this: no fan expected Auburn to do what they did last year. I'll be honest, but the true fans understood the years of recruiting that led up to this year. The that the team that went three and nine wasn't really that bad talent wise. They had no quarterback. They had really no uh, no no identity. They try to run a, a power eye game with a spread kind of team, and here Gus Malzahn comes in at the perfect time. Um, just I, I mean, just a, a miracle got this team from three and nine to a national championship. And it all started when he came in in the weight room that year. He came in and said, "Guys, you're a bunch of pussies right now, really." I mean, I don't know what you were doing last year while I was gone, but, but we're going to get in here and we're going to work out, lift weights. We're going to get that toughness, that edge back. And he did, and it, it, they, they bought into it. And a lot of people say, oh, it's a miracle they beat Alabama. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think it was a miracle that game was tied. The Georgia game, uh, that was a miracle play that led up to that. But remember, they blew a 37-17 lead uh, late in that game, and then they blew a big lead against Florida State. But but feeding off that coming into this year, they have almost everybody back. They've recruited well. They had a lot of injuries last year, guys. And everybody talks about the schedule being very tough. But I look at it, uh, Cuervo, and I look at this schedule, actually with the bye weeks in place and everything, being a great opportunity for Auburn to, to have a chance to win that West again. I look at the SEC. They've lost a lot of quarterbacks. And with Nick Marshall coming back in that offense, I think that's going to be the difference maker. The defense is better. The offense is obviously going to be better. But the, what is the rest of the SEC going to look like on defense, Cuervo? That's why I put Auburn up real high is because I don't think anybody out there can outscore them. And, and you, make a great, you can make a good argument, Tarvin. I mean, um, you know, should, should you be concerned if you're an Auburn fan? Not really. I mean, you know, you lose Trey Mason, you lose Robinson. And you know a couple other guys on defense, D Ford and whatnot. But um, that's what makes certain programs great, though, is even when you lose certain guys, you know your coaching has the ability to not even rebuild; you just reload. And, and that's what you know teams like Alabama do, and Auburn, and LSU, and Georgia, and Florida, and, and Ohio State, and and you know all the all the teams that we talk about year in and year out. They don't rebuild; they just reload. And, and you know, for, as far as Auburn is concerned, yeah. As far as Auburn is concerned, you know, I can see them, you know, being right back in the thick of things. I mean, Gus Malzahn. I think you're right. I mean, he just he had them believing again, and and, and you know, saying, "Look, you're Auburn. You're you know, you play for a very traditional program, and stop feeling sorry for yourself." And, and he got them believing in themselves again, and. You know, it's just amazing what you can do when you have that mentality of, you know, I'm going to be great week in and week out, and that's and that's what they did. So, uh, you know, for Auburn, 
I don't know what the, what's what's their out of conference schedule like, Tarvin. That to me is pretty interesting because you they, know what you're they getting play in conference at Kansas. I'm sorry, at Kansas State, San Jose State, Louisiana Tech, and Sanford. <laughs> oh, that Sam. Sanford game is going to be interesting. No, it's no like Sanford. 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 S A M F O R D. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Never mind. All right. Well, I guess your best competition is Kansas State, but. So they're going to run the table outside the conference. I, I have no doubt about that. Um, you know, it's, but you're right, though. I mean, you you know, all, you think about all the talent that all, that Alabama lost with Mosley and all those guys that are gone. I think this is an opportunity for Alabama or for Auburn to kind of make a statement again and say, "Look, we're not going anywhere anytime soon as long as Malzahn is is the head coach." So, um, hey. You know, I know I don't rate to say it's Harvin, but War Eagle, I hope Auburn does well. Thank you, Nathan. Looking at the receivers of this Auburn team, you got uh, Sammy Coates put on 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason. He's a huge home run hitter. He was actually the number one receiver per catch last year. And then they bring in the number one recruit out of JUCO, Duke Williams. I mean, this guy's a, a, a beast, man. He is 6'2", 216, and, and he can go up and get it. The defense, the recruiting, I mean, they brought in a lot. What do you think about these Tigers? I think right now, if you're looking at it, you have to put them ahead of Alabama. Oh, yeah, you definitely do, and I did. If you remember, we, we spoke last week. I put, I put Auburn at number two um, for numerous reasons. Uh, I, I think that the game is going to be super tough at the end of the season in, in, in Tuscaloosa, but that's, that's kind of the way it always is. You, know, you, have those, you have those games. You look at Ohio State was much better than Michigan last year, but uh, those those uh, those – those rivalry games, they, they can definitely do a number on your mentality. Um, I, I think that, uh, that Auburn is the best team in the SEC West. I, I think they're going to win the SEC West. Um, I don't know if they're going to win the SEC. I don't, I don't know how they're going to do against, you know, I, like I said, I think that Georgia wins the SEC East, and I think they have the best stable running backs in the entire country, and I don't know how Auburn is going to be able to do against that running attack. You know, if they can improve off of last year's performance against those really good running teams, then, you know, they, they may do – they may be able to win the SEC and definitely get a spot in that, that playoff. But I, I think that they're definitely, they're definitely the best team in the SEC West. They will lose to LSU again. I know you hate me saying that, but I definitely have them losing to LSU again. I think that LSU has, you know, really their number and what they're able to do against, against Auburn. Um, and it showed last year as well. I think that, uh, that they're going to they're gonna beat Texas A&M. I'm actually happy to say that Texas A&M is going to just be absolutely awful this year. I'm not, I, yeah. don't dislike, I don't dislike the Aggies by any means, but stop, stop playing a game like you're actually a good team. You're not. Um, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to they're gonna win the SEC West just because I don't think that LSU is going to you know, go undefeated, obviously, throughout the season. Uh, I, as, you know how I feel, and we've had conversations – about it, about that stupid game around Thanksgiving, but uh, there, there is absolutely no, there is no excuse you could possibly give me that I would say it's okay for the teams to play FCS teams in November. But you know that's going to be a good practice for them, and it's going to lead up to that that good game against Alabama that I think they're going to win this year. And I don't know how many times in a row lately that uh, you know there's been a winning streak between Alabama and Auburn, but I think that you know it's going to happen this year. I I did put. Uh, Michigan State in front of uh, in front of Auburn for the national championship game last year. Um, 
But that was only to show that a one-loss team from a power conference should be in consideration. It showed when they beat Stanford. I think that Auburn's going to win the SEC West this year. If they're able to beat who I think I project Georgia to come out of the SEC East, I, I think that they're going to be in that playoff. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they have to go out to uh, out to Pasadena and play not once but twice. So that would be an interesting uh, interesting couple of games there for the for the Tigers there. And I, I'm, I'm really excited for what Auburn's going to do moving forward. I'm a big fan of Gus Malzahn. Uh, I've seen him at you know de- several different locales, and I think he's he's really at home there at, at Auburn. And I, I I'm I'm excited to see what the what the Tigers are going to do. I hope they don't need miracles to do it though. Hey, I'll take them whatever it takes. But uh, going back to that LSU game last year, it seems like when Auburn plays LSU at home, they they win, and when LSU plays in Baton Rouge, they win. But Something clicked last year at halftime. Once the rain stopped, Auburn got in a 21 to nothing hole with the rain, some turnovers. And once that rain stopped in the second half, Auburn dominated in the entire second half. They came up short. But that was the turning point of that season. I think LSU coming in this year to Auburn, I don't think they have the offense to be able uh, to, to outscore Auburn in Auburn. But one thing that people overlook about Auburn that I just want to clarify and get out there, the defense is going to be much improved this year. And everybody looks at, oh, they can score, but they can't stop anybody. This is, on the field, one of the best defenses is going to be improvement-wise that you've seen. They started with a defensive line. I mean, these big freshmen, Adams and Lawson, the linebackers, Casanova McKenzie, Chris Frost, and they've also recruited well depth-wise at linebacker. They get back Jeffrey Whitaker, a fifth-year senior that missed the entire year last year, six four three twenty two on that line, and just the just the, the the big safeties and corners they brought in. They're getting big guys now. They're not getting these five nine midgets. They're getting six two six three corners, safeties, hard hitting. And if I'll I'll tell you this: if Auburn's defense makes a big improvement from last year, they will not need miracles to happen or big plays in order you know to to get a win. And that's what I'm saying. I think their offense is going to be there. The defense has to step it up a notch. And if they do, they don't get injured. They they can make it through this season. They're going to be good, man. The offensive line is is stout. They have a lot of people back. I'm just excited for this football season because again, it's it's going to be a, a season that's wide open. Anybody can come out of nowhere as long as you have the foundation built, Nathan. Anybody can come out of nowhere, and I want to thank you for coming on, joining me. Uh, we went over an hour, but that's fine, an hour and ten minutes. Cuervo, I want to thank you for coming. Nathan, we'll be on Wednesday night probably, so join us, buddy. Yeah, if I'm uh, if I'm not working, I, I will be on for sure. I definitely thank you for allowing me to come on there. And, uh, you know, it's always a good, always a good time to talk some, uh, some, some sports. Let's not, let's not forget, though, uh, college softball World Series, as well as the, uh, the NCAA Baseball Regionals. So, you know, we got to talk about that as well. We definitely will. And, and it's college football year-round here. People wonder, well, it's me. What are, y'all, what are you guys doing about, you know, talking college football? We always talk college football, and it's never boring, Nathan. We, we love college football. And you can, get a, you can get a lot of information from people if they talk about football in the offseason. That helps your projections for the upcoming season. So thanks again, man. Have a great Memorial Day, and we'll see you all Wednesday night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.